Hey everyone, Josh here. Quick question for you. Do you like coffee? Even more important question, do you like fresh coffee? Coffee that's roasted to order and doesn't taste like the bottom of your kitchen oven. If you answered yes to any of these questions, then you need to head over to McQuanoCoffee.com and get yourself some of the best coffee there is to get. Whether you like the light roast or the dark roast or you're feeling a little whimsical and you want to get that sample pack, McQuano Coffee Roasters has everything you need. And just when you thought this couldn't get any sweeter, make sure to use the promo code REFORMATORY to get 20% off all bagged coffee. Do yourself a favor and stop drinking bad coffee because you know what? Life's too short for that. Head on over to McQuanoCoffee.com and use the promo code REFORMATORY to get 20% off all bagged coffee. You will not regret it. Thanks, and now on to the show. What do you got for me? What's wrong with you people? I got nothing for you. What's wrong What's going on, everyone, and welcome to the Reformatory, the podcast for the local church and by the local church. And we are your local churchmen. We are here. We are back in black. And it's good to be with you, Jack, my yes. friend, my comrade, my amigo. Yes, sir. Como estas? Um, What's going doing on? Bien, sir. Doing bien. Good. Good. <laughs> good. Jack and I were just discussing. Uh, bucket list items. Oh man! Before we hit record, <laughs> and I and I confessed to Jack that I have a bucket list item that is blatantly yes, blatantly unreformed. I don't and know. I mean, I mean, white person reformed. I guess. Why you got to bring like race lame. into this, dude? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> lame, like very vanilla. Okay, okay. <laughs> Spurgeon was white. He I mean, ain't lame yeah. and vanilla. Get out of here. I know that, but like we can't go back in time right now and see like how not. how things like transpired when he spoke. So Yeah. I I have for the longest time and I might lose my Reformed Baptist card on this. No, you but you ain't. know what? I'm gonna say it. I want to experience once in my life a a black church service. Oh, it's gonna happen, dude. Oh, dude, dude, with like the we with like I want like let let's take like H. B. Charles, right? The guy gets up there, all right. Great preacher, right? And like I want the experience of you know he's like saying a point and, and let me tell you something, all right. And then the crowd starts getting amped, and then he's like, I'm gonna stop preaching now. And you're like, Well, what have you been doing this past <laughs> these past twenty minutes? And then he like just ups the ante, right? And you get smacked in the face with the gospel, and it's in a black light. I want that because here's the thing, okay? Like culture, cultures are different, and yeah. that's okay. That's yeah. what makes that's what makes Christianity awesome. It's yeah. a bunch. of Different people, different cultures coming together, worshiping Jesus. I love it. Didn't didn't we but have white this? people don't have that? Yeah, you no, know, we don't. like <laughs> we man, we we the frozen chosen here, man. We're the we're the frozen <laughs> chosen, and oh I think some of us. Now, obviously, you don't go too far, right? I'm not saying start like slaying people in the spirit, and you know, once the snakes come out, I'm done. I'm gone. <laughs> okay, all right. I'm just saying that, but I do think, and this is where it gets a little dicey. 
I do think we have some things to learn. Oh, absolutely. From, from uh, people that 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 uh, have a little bit more emotion in their worship. They because have, I don't think it should be emotion. Yes, they have a little bit more zeal and swag. Yeah. As you, long as it's grounded in truth, right? And we are within the barometers of truth. I think I think I think we could do to be a little less stale I in mean, the way yeah. that we sing and worship. I mean that's all I'm saying. Yeah, I mean and I just shared that clip on Twitter that's blowing up, by the way. Um oh, man, and stuff. shout out to Nick Badsig who uh, shared that clip to begin with and I just ripped it off of him. Nick wants to come on the pod. Okay. Should we let him? I mean, yeah, we can talk <laughs> Is he going to talk about that what certain would, denomination we, with no, certain people? No, 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 no. Because here's the thing: I want to be able to upload. Oh. I want to be able to upload an episode that we don't have I to know, delete right? three days later. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. No, no, no. Uh, I think I think that'd be fun. What would we talk about with Nick, dude? Uh, we could talk about like what, a lot of things. Like, what's what's his what's his shtick? Like, like does he have kind of like a certain vein that he like rides in? Uh, I would say probably the best thing that we could talk to Nick about would, and maybe, and maybe this is a poll. Maybe we do this on Twitter or the sociables, if you will. Uh, we pick like three different topics, but I would love for him to talk about creeds and confessions in the context of a local church. You nerd. I mean, we talked about confessionalism. Did you not listen to my Sam Renahan app? I I mean, yeah, but I mean like, let's, let's, (laughs) let's dig a little deeper in this. Okay. Let's let's so, try and uh yeah. What if we what if we try now I'm not making any promises because I actually haven't like yeah. he he said he wants to come on. I haven't firmed up any details. But you know what next month is, Jack. Okay, so that is a good okay. thing that okay. you brought this up because next month is Reformation Month. Yes, it is, baby. And you know <laughs> you know how I feel about Reformation so, Month. We could actually talk about uh, a lot of different things. Um, yeah. We could talk actually about the exodus of Protestants uh, going over and swimming the Tiber, or I don't know what you would call going over to Orthodoxy, um, s- pulling into Constantinople. We call I call that know. the Great <laughs> Defection. <laughs> In any case, we could talk to He's him about defecting. that. He has he has <laughs> talked a little bit about that, and I would love to query him on some things as well too of what he's seeing. In so churches. I think I think what would be cool because any long-standing reformatory listeners know how we feel about Reformation Month. It's, yes, it's it's our choice month. It's choice meets. Yeah. Um. I think we should have a reformatory local church Reformation Month extravaganza. Mercy. And we should uh, bring in bring in a few peeps, talk about Reformation uh, themed topics that also. Uh, you know, involve the local church mm-hmm. and uh, just maybe have the best four eps in the month of October that we ever had. So are we trying to get like more guests on for this month? For this I upcoming mean, month? Uh, I don't know. I'm not making any promises. I'm just saying maybe we could fill maybe, m- maybe half of it. There's, mm. there's, there's four, four Thursdays in yeah. October. Like, you know, we could do two, and then we could do a couple where we bring some people on, which means I'm going to need the login for your <laughs> professional Zoom account <laughs> so that I can record. Actually, yes. I do have a Zoom need- account, by the way. So, like, you got you got the lucky hand on Yeah, that yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, know, and I know you paid money for that pro account. Oh, yeah. That well, gives maybe. us uh, longer than 40-minute uh, recording session. Yeah. So, I'm going to need that login. <laughs> We'll see what we can do. I think it'd be a lot of fun. Yeah. Jack, before we hop into a topic today. Yes, sir. 
Uh, why don't you lead us through, guide us through the Reformatory Cigar of the Week. All right. Oh, by the way. Yes. I know. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to cut you off. Yeah. I just want to say this. Um, our faithful listener and and uh, supporter, Mr. Ed. Oh, yes. Says that he always skips this part of the of the podcast. <laughs> Why? He's like, Ed? he's like, he's like, I never know. He, I never know what you guys are talking about. So I always skip oh. it is what he says. That's OK, Ed. This isn't for everyone. Yeah. But we want you to know if you haven't skipped it, we're still giving you a shout out. I just can't believe that dude like drinks a pot of coffee with a straw in it. Ed, I, it gets Ed. over like that's you have. And you I'm said not. you're like. You're an addiction counselor, Josh. There's yeah. some. Ed. <laughs> Ed, Ed, my man, like, Lee, I, I, I he's take off that, the bean juice, bro. <laughs> I take that as a subtle call for help. <laughs> that's that's what I take. Is you know he's putting it in the background. Ed's putting it in the background, so you know, so someone will ask, and so it's easier for him to come out and be like, "Yeah, I need help." Right, Ed. If that if that's what that was, the the straw in the coffee cup. We're here for you. We're here for you, Ed. <laughs> But see, here's the thing: he wouldn't have heard any of that if he had if he if he skipped. Yeah. <laughs> Jack, what's the what's the cigar, man? Okay, so uh, this uh, cigar of the week is brand new, brand spanking new. Pretty sure it's uh, it's very new uh, as far as uh, its distribution goes. I am waiting on a couple other cigars to come in from a certain foundation cigar company that ho- will hopefully come in and I'll review them because I'm, I'm amped on some other like, ones. Am I going to am I gonna enjoy any uh, of these? Yes, you will. Any of these grapes of Babylon? Uh, not Babylon. <laughs> the Promised Land? Not grapes of Babylon. Um, <laughs> well, yeah. You'll, you'll get them, but yeah. Anyways, so this one is uh, a, a co-op production of uh, Lost and Found, and then also Caldwell Cigar Company. So Lost and Found mm. usually makes these like five pack cigars, yeah. uh, limited series runs and stuff like that. Anyway, they made a Lancero called Fifteen Minutes of Fame. Yeah. Uh, it retails MSRP of eight dollars. I paid eight dollars nice. at the cigar shop for this. Caldwell Caldwell is a good brand. <laughs> yes, too, yes, very respected. And so they are also coming out with a cigar called the Anastasia Yellow. Uh, my wife. Well, I can see why. I can see why you like that. My wife's one. name is that, <laughs> and we'll see if that actually matches um, anything. We'll see. Anyways, <laughs> what would so, that match? We'll I'm see. looking forward to that review. <laughs> In any case, that this, it's spicy. Hey, this is a kids show, Josh. This is a kids show. Um, so. I smoke this and it kicked me in the teeth. Yeah. <laughs> so matches. this this cigar is uh, is a seven by forty, so seven inches by forty ring gauge. Its wrapper is Dominican Habano. Habana. And then the binder is Ecuadorian Sumatra. Uh, and then you got fillers from the Dominican Republic as well. And there's a little bit of Nicaragua in there too. Yeah. At least on this one. Yeah, so, but yeah, That's I would stuff, man. I would say probably initial smoke was probably a four out of five. Uh, Ooh, I would okay. I would probably have to smoke it again. I would say the only reason why that is is if you have ever smoked a Lancero before, it is you have to touch it up 
a lot. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think yep. the only cigar that I've heard of that doesn't have those burn issues is this cigar by uh, Crown Heads called Luciano the Dreamer. Mm. Um, so we'll see. But anyways, I would give All it right. a I would give it an initial rating of four out of five. Nice. I All right. would probably well, have to smoke it again to get a little bit more change oh, in well. that rating. But yes, oh, that wow. is it. So, Lost and Found, 15 Minutes of Fame by Caldwell. That is the Reformatory Cigar of the Week. Mm. Go and smoke to the glory of God. All right, Jack. Yes, sir. So, my man. Uh, Something we wanted to talk about today Mm -hmm. is a topic that I think all of us... uh, I think it's good for all of us to hear because I think anyone who has ever either been in a local church uh, leadership context or just a member, yeah. right? All of us have experienced this to some degree or another. And I think it's the in- then it's the importance of being patient mm-hmm. with your local church when it comes to change, especially change that you want to see or are actively trying to campaign to happen, right? Yeah. I think it's just it's just the way that local churches are is as we come into greater conformity with the word of God, things change. Right. And all of our preferences and things of that sort, though, you know, should be should be anchored in the word of God, uh, don't always kind of reveal themselves in the context of the local church. Right. So some of us have different preferences with music or preaching style or, you know, they have Sunday school or they don't have Sunday school or they have an evening service or they don't have an evening service. Right. There's. There's so many things within the context of the local church that can pop up or are already there that that aren't to our preference, right? Uh, And, you know, some of those things are worse than others, right? And I think, I know for me, especially early on in the ministry, Uh when I was first first in, I really, really, I really wanted change to happen quickly. Yeah. And I think I think that that is you know although the the object of the change might not be a bad thing, yeah. right? I think often I know this is how it was with me and and it's still something that I can fall into. I'm not I'm not free of it, but it's something I think there's a I think there's a level of immaturity that I had. Uh, well, there's a great level of immaturity that I had, thinking that you know change within the local church was something that could just happen on a dime, and that that was good and healthy in every context, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and more than often, it was a change that wasn't an essential, yeah. right? Because let's be clear, there are some changes that need to happen within the local church that are essential. Yeah, that you know what you got to get this figured out right now, and you know this needs to be different next Sunday. <laughs> you, yeah. you know what I'm saying? Those are, I think, very rare and few and far in between for most churches, mm-hmm. right? So the changes that Jack and I are talking about, kind of more on the secondary level, uh, can fall into preferences, can fall into things that Jack and I would consider to be best practices. Like, you know, like the thing we talked about with Sam Renahan, you know, yeah. coming from a non-confessional church into confessionalism, yeah. right? One of the encouragements that Sam had, and it was really good, is if you're wanting to do that as a church, be patient. Mm-hmm. Don't shove that down your congregation's <clears throat> throat. Yeah. Be patient with the transition, and there's a lot of wisdom in that, right? So what we wanted to talk about today is the importance of, as a church member, being patient with your local church 
when it comes to change, especially good change, mm-hmm. right? Um, so, Jack, I want to throw it over to you. Um, and why why do you think why do you think this is an important topic, Jack, especially for for today's age? Because yeah. you and I have both experienced in our in our time in the local church, uh, we both experienced lots of change, some good and some really really bad. Yeah, right? <laughs> I think that uh, I was just talking about this to one of my pastors as well too. My so I'm going to be leading a community group with um, my wife kind of backing me up and supporting me in this. But um, this community group is kind of like a long time coming. And I remember like kind of asking every month or so, it's like, are we starting this thing up again? Like what's going on here? Mm-hmm. Um, and then it's finally coming to fruition because... I, I think we have enough people to put it at capacity and our prayers are being met in that way. And so, um, so I was talking about this, I was kind of talking about this pre episode with Josh and saying that, you know, we're now having this time in which we have more community groups in our church and you're seeing a lot of health as far as the pastors actually getting backed up by the congregation and developing, devotional materials and study guides and all this stuff. We just have a very talented congregation, to be honest, that has really great uh, gifts to use to equip the saints. And so Hmm. I think that that is by no means, I think, an accident. I think that now my pastors are kind of like, we have all these Christian, it's kind of like our culture right now, you know, like being in covid People moved out of states um, that had like harsher restrictions, and then on top of that, they they quit their jobs to go remote or something along those lines to go remote and switch and do stuff like that. And then you're seeing now within the church, within what's coming, I would say COVID is what we've known COVID to be <clears throat> with all the restrictions is kind of very coming to a close. You're seeing the door shut because now it's turning into a cold and you're seeing just last, I think this week or the other week, you're seeing an annual shot, right? So it's becoming a flu. For now. So. <laughs> For now. In any case, I think that that kind of pivot shows us, at, and even during like this last two years, you've seen people who have left churches to go to other churches. And my pastors were kind of a little bit, I guess frustrated in the sense where they're like, we want more new believers, not just Christians who are like getting drafted by other teams, so to say, (laughs) you know, we don't want like this trade, you know, scenario keep going over every single time we have these like different waves in our country. Right. So I think that that, you know, whatever has happened, uh, the Lord has used it in a way in which he's uh, granted um, us as a local church to operate in this way. And I think that that's been a prayer for my pastors for quite a bit now. I, I would say probably since 2017 to be in this place. Um, and so it, <laughs> but on top of it as well too, like I, I understand like that kind of antsiness to want to do something in ministry Sure. Yeah. But the fact of the matter is, is like you, like <laughs> you are not the judge of of kind of your own better judgment of what 
you can do and how you can affect ministry. And then on top of that, if you just like go in there full force uh, into ministry, you might just absolutely crash land, right? So that yeah. so you going in there guns a blazing into ministry without like being patient or trying to force something is not going to actually help the church. It's actually going to like cause more relational friction in the church. Sure. So, and I would say that that, I would say for me, we left our previous church and then came into our current local church that we're at right now. And then the community group that I'll lead will probably have a couple different couples from our previous church. And that by no means was what I wanted. I didn't want like a click of former people from my last church, but it's based on geography. Like all of us live probably within like 10 minutes of each other in the same area of Tacoma. And so a majority of us do. And so like that, that in and of itself is, is kind of easy as well too. And so, but if I would have forced it to say like, we need to get this done, it's not going to like help my pastors in any way. If I'm just going to keep on being like a more annoying judgmental John the Baptist kind of figure of like, we need to do this. We need to do this. We need to do this. Um, versus uh, a little bit more patient and a little bit more understanding. And then also just having like some, some questions versus some kind of directives. But yeah. 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 I, I think it's, and we can use the, <clears throat> we can use the, uh, the, the example of say, what we already talked about, bringing a church maybe into confessionalism that's not that's not currently confessional, right? We can just kind of use that as a template and an example, right? That desire for that change is not a bad thing, right? I think it's a good thing, right? And I think there are uh, many changes that one can desire, whether you're a leader in church or whether you're a member in church and you you know brought it up to your elders and you guys are working on it. Right? I think there's many changes that can happen in a local church that are really, really good and wanting and desiring that change is not a bad thing. And even working toward that change is not a bad thing. I think what ends up happening with individuals like me who are impatient with it and want to make it happen faster, want to force the issue because in your mind, you're like, this is the best option. This is a good thing. This is a right thing. We should be here. Therefore, let's get here as quickly as possible and we'll just deal with whatever consequences happen, right? It's a very easy mentality to fall into. And again, I'm speaking from one that had this mentality. And if I'm careful, like if I'm not careful, I can still have this mentality. It is antithetical toward biblical shepherding of your people and I think what ends up happening is we put the cart before the horse and instead of leading our people the way that we're called to, you know, and I'm talking specifically as as leaders in the church at, at this point, leading our people in into the field that we want them to to be in, we just we just run them there as quickly as possible and say, Okay, now get used to it and I'm gonna deal with all the consequences now. Right. Instead of mm-hmm. I think the the better option, and again, we're talking about things that aren't that aren't, you know, <laughs> on the level of like orthodoxy, right? Yeah. Uh, taking the time and shepherding your people through that and 
taking the time to have the conversations, taking the time to 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 have those those members meetings, to teach them and to explain to them and to show them in the scriptures again sticking with our example why why confessionalism is where we want to go as a church mm-hmm. right it's so much more beneficial and you will have so many more people and i i don't mean it to sound like they're like it's an us versus them but you, you will win so many more people to your side and and have so many more supporters if you show them why it's important yeah, and you take them to the Word of God and say, "Look, this is where we as leaders are have 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 been convinced that adopting a confession or going into confessionalism as a church is beneficial and it's good for us and it will reap benefits for us as a church. This is why that is so beneficial because then you're actually one actually fulfilling what I think you're supposed to be doing as a shepherd and actually shepherding your people, teaching them right, mm-hmm. but also." You're not just dropping a bomb on your congregation and then dealing with all of the fallout and all of the mess that 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 can happen, yeah. right? Because you don't know what perhaps some of your congregation's uh, uh, history is with confessionalism. You don't know like what comes to their mind when they hear 1689 Reformed Baptist, right? I know some people. And I was talking with a friend um, the other day. I'm trying to remember who it was. I can't remember. But but we were we were talking, and he had a friend uh, who's only exposure to 1689 was hearing another friend talking about it and and saying that those 1689ers are basically a cult right <laughs> and they trusted this friend yeah right yeah so that's what they associated 1689 with so now they're coming to a church or, or exploring to get into this church right uh that that adopts the 1689 confession and it's a massive hang-up for them yeah because of what they have been told and really the only exposure that they've had to it right yeah so you're gonna have those individuals in your church and i think it's good shepherding it's wise and loving shepherding to understand that and to take the time to lovingly guide and lovingly lead through a transition like that uh, because it creates trust mm-hmm. between you and your members, Yeah. right? Because you guys have gone through it together. It's something you're doing together, right? Um, yeah, so, so I just think coming from a, a leader's perspective, that's really important. Because you're going to reap the benefits as a shepherd in doing that. Your your relationship with your congregation is going to become so much, so much stronger, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, I think that you do have to understand and be patient in the sense that not every single person in your church is going to be a carbon copy of each other as well, too. Absolutely. Yeah. Yep. So, and, and that's where sometimes. Uh, even even one of my pastors has talked to me about this as well too, in which like, you know, we will we will look at certain churches in a sense and say, you know, what's going on with them? Like, you know, you see stuff on social media and stuff like that with other churches, and you're like, gosh, what is going on with that church? And in one sense. Yeah, that may that's probably not the best attitude to go about it, um, and yeah. judging other churches in that sense because I think sure. I mean yeah, y- you don't want people to be very fair weathered and to take stuff that they're doing lightly. I get that aspect of it, but also that could be very kind of like puffing yourself up, like we're the church that does things right. 
Yeah, compare you know? the whole the whole comparison <laughs> game is just it's it's whole it's not a game that reveals or produces anything good or biblical. Yeah, but in any case, like you may want to be this church that is trying to get to another certain point that you kind of revere another church at. Sure, at, sure. Like this kind of comparatives this comparativism. And I don't think that's necessarily helpful, um, A, because you're not going to have the same people walking in that. I mean, you're going to have the same people in the sense that you're going to have sinners walking in there um, and you're going to have people from different backgrounds and different walks of life. But to say, I'm going to model my church after this one and we're going to do things exactly the same way, I would tread lightly on that. <laughs> um, yeah. Because you're going to have a completely different set of people. Um, and what I've appreciated most about my local church is that we lead with the gospel. We mm. lead with that. Yeah. And we let that be the balm to us versus trying to be flashy versus trying to be anything else. We lead with the gospel because hearing the gospel in what's called like the gospel welcome James uh, Boyce or James Montgomery uh, Boyce used to do this at 10th Presbyterian 10th Street Presbyterian I think in uh, Phil in Philadelphia but then also Ray Ortland did this uh, in Emmanuel as well too but when you hear that gospel welcome you get reoriented every single time and I I feel like church the Lord's Day becomes many different things to many different people in not very healthy ways versus a recentering on how the gospel is actually affecting you and, and producing fruit for this next week to come in your life. Mm. Yeah. And so, and sometimes that is not going to happen, um, at, you know, like at warp speed here, it is right. going to have to be this patient endeavor. And so, yeah, I mean, as a as a minister, you're gonna have to wait patiently for things that you want to see to come to fruition, because you don't know what how it will land with your people. And then on top of that, the members may be pushing you as a pastor, uh, as an elder, to do certain things, and you're just not there. You just don't have the capacity or the capability. Sure. And that's where you need to say, "Hey, this would be great if we had a team of people from the congregation actually like help out in this area." Yeah. And that's going to take time to assemble that team to figure out who's actually good at this. Um, is there, uh, is there kind of like a, a little bit of an understanding within those teams to kind of produce what you want to happen? Now, I don't mm -hmm. know what that is. Like for us, it kind of happened last uh, fall in which a team came together and we produced this devotional book. And it had devotions in it, and then it had a study guide in it for First John, because we were going through a series in First John where we really kind of launched this. And now we're doing it in that same structure, but we kind of learned from the past, and now we're doing it again for the Epistle to the Galatians. And so those things, you kind of have to trial run it. <laughs> Yeah, and yeah. that's not necessarily a bad thing. Um, I mean, that's how you know, like Sam talked about with different confessions, like and especially sure. like liturgy too. Like you're gonna have to trial run that until oh, yeah. it comes Absolutely. to a point yeah. where you feel comfortable with it. And I think our local church is in this very good, comfortable zone 
now with how we go about the liturgy that's really good. Mm-hmm. Um, but that wasn't overnight. That took like years to do. So sure, sure. you may want people yeah. who are more liturgical who are coming in there and saying, why don't we be liturgical? It's like, we can't just like stop everything and just go from zero to a hundred in like two seconds here. So, so yeah. And, and I think that brings up a good point. Let's put it into the realm of the congregant. Now the church member who wants to see change in their local church. Mm-hmm. Again, that change might not be bad. Say you want a, you want your local church to come into a more liturgical church structure. I think that's a good thing. Yeah. That's a great thing. Yeah. Maybe you want your church to, you know, sing less, uh, you know, of, you know, certain type of music or, or, or do, you know, more exegetical preaching or something like, you know, whatever, whatever it is that, that it, it's not a disqualifying thing to go to that church, but you know, it's, it's important yeah. and, and it's a matter of preference, but it's an important preference, right? Um, let's put it into that realm real quick of what I have seen to be the best way to go about kind of working through that change. I think number one is, Asking yourself, is this is this worth bringing up to my elders? Do I feel yeah. strong enough about this that I believe it is worth bringing up and voicing a concern or encouragement to my elders as like, hey, you know, have we thought about this, right? Because as as a church congregant, church member, that that's your right, yeah. that, and 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 we should have that relationship with our pastor as. Um, that that we can we can come to them and, and voice these things right, but as a as a church member we got to ask ourselves first is this is this worth doing it mm. you know do I think that this has the potential to damage the church or hurt the church in some way if left um, you know un um, unresolved right so that's that's an important thing uh, another I think really important thing is how you bring it up yeah with your elders so say. You want the church to become more liturgical. Let's just use that, right? So not not a must, but a good thing, and something Jack and I would really encourage churches to do because we think it's good, and um, but it's not a necessary thing for a, a biblical New Testament church, right? Mm-hmm. But you come to your elders. It, it matters how it matters how you bring it to them. Are you being a bulldog about it? Are you saying, "Hey, I think our I think our church service, you know, on Sunday morning sucks. I think it's horrible. <laughs> I think I think we are we are really really dropping the ball on this, and this is why, and this is what we should do to fix it." Yeah, probably not going to be received very well. <laughs> yeah, right. But if you present it with humility and with grace, yeah. and kind of what we were talking about, uh, explaining why. Right and bringing it to your elders in a in a kind and and gracious way with the intent of bettering the church, right? Not the intent of you know just wanting to make things in your own image. It's the intent of wanting <laughs> wanting a a a more God glorifying service, yeah. right? That that benefits everyone. That's important. Yeah. It's also important to be patient, and this is where we get into what we've been talking about, whether or not they choose to do it. I think it's so vital that we as church members be patient with our our leaders, be patient with our brothers and sisters as well, because one, it is very important that we understand that the unity that we have in our local church is so much more important than whether or not we are installing a liturgy in our church. Yeah. Right? Now, installing a liturgy is a good thing, 
but it's not worth you breaking fellowship or causing disunity over. Yeah. Right? And that's where it goes back to that first point. Is this worth bringing up? Right? Yeah. So we need patience with one another as we're walking through that. And it might take it might take a few years. Right? And that's that's okay. That's okay. Because sometimes change in a church takes it it <laughs> it takes a while. Yeah. Right. And and it's and it's designed to be that way, I think, in a lot of ways as as a protection and kind of a safeguard to, um, I think, what can often happen. And that's, um, you know, whether it be a a group of men or, or a group of con- congregants just kind of steamrolling something and uh, just making, you know, so let it be written. So let it be yeah, done. And yeah. boom, it's it's it's, you know, it's in the bylaws. Got to be really careful yeah. with that stuff. Yeah, that's um, that's a good point that you bring up too, Josh. Because I, you do have to balance that out also with kind of the church culture that you're in. Um, I mean, I left my local church over some doctrinal issues as well too, and some structural issues within our polity that I felt like weren't going to be flourishing people for years to come and so a lot of that came from that and then also i think secondary issues are kind of more the culture of the church and kind of what i saw as not very helpful going forward but yeah it does depend upon some secondary stuff like that if if your pastors are willing to listen to you and have conversations and keep these conversations going i think that's a good sign Mm. um if they are completely like shutting you out and not wanting to talk uh i would say that's a little bit of a red flag <laughs> sure yeah yeah um, yeah i think it definitely goes both ways yeah i think also it is good to maybe talk these things out with other members in your church who may have the same inclination as you do like hey i'm really kind of frustrated that we don't do and don't structure the lord's day service like this like do you feel this way and some people will feel that way too and then kind of you know help out in in that frustration to a certain extent but i think it does skew things to a certain effect how i mean it has to be this balance of the attitude of the congregation and also the attitude of the elders yeah and and i and i would say too as a word of caution it, it's okay to i think it's okay to talk things through with other members of the church yeah. But you have to make sure mm-hmm. that it does not result in gossip sure. or 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 causing disunity um, toward the either the other members of the church or the pastors of the church. Yeah. Right. Because often, and Jack and I have seen this, often it can, <laughs> if left unattended, it can turn into that. Yeah. Right. Where you have and you ha- you have this little rebellion starting in the church when in actuality, you know, it would have been better for you before you went to the other people in the church. You should have gone to your pastors. Sure. Because it, it, it involves them first. Right. So there's nothing wrong with, you know, bringing it up to some other church members that you go with me like, hey, I'm, I'm thinking this through. You know, do you think it's worth bringing up? I think that's OK. Just so long as you are making sure that it doesn't go into the realm of gossip or causing strife or disunity uh, or, or even anger toward toward the leadership. Right? Yeah. Yeah. That's also good as well, too. But yeah, just wanted to bring up that little caveat as well, too. Yeah. So. Yeah. So, yeah, I guess at look at the end of the day, and there's so much more that can be said, but at the end of the day, if you're going to a church that loves Jesus, that's preaching the gospel, 
uh, and that has Christ at the center of their preaching, mm-hmm. uh, be thankful for that, yeah. right? And 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 see that as worthy of investing in and worthy of of committing to. That's a good thing, especially in the culture that we live in today. So if you have that, praise the Lord. It doesn't mean that within that you might want to see some things change. And whether you're a church member or you're in leadership there, that's not that's not a bad thing. But understand that. None of it is worth, unless, again, it's on that level of, of, of orthodoxy that we're talking about. None of it is worth causing disunity or causing strife or anything like that within the church because uh, it, it's, it's the unity that we are called to have in the gospel and that we can have in the gospel and is, is so much more important than whether or not the specific local church you're going to is up to your preference, right? So it's 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 important to keep those things. And I think when we have that awareness and we remember the main things and the plain things, as Alistair Begg says, it it gives us the ability to be patient. Mm-hmm. I think when we start losing patience, I think that's the first sign that we have begun to elevate to possibly secondary things up to the level of primary. And we're wanting to ram them through as fast as we can because we have added more importance to them than there actually is. And I'm not saying they're not important. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying it's not worth leaving the church or or causing disunity because you're being impatient with the change that's happening. Um, So it's just it's just good things to keep in mind. You know, if you're your church, if it's a solid church, thank the Lord for it commit to it, serve in it. Uh, and then through that service, right, through your commitment to it, your voice will hold more weight yeah. <laughs> to, to your eldership because we they see like, no, no, this person isn't just, they're on the sidelines, like casting judgment and telling us how we should do things. This is a productive, serving member of the church. They love these people. They want the best for these people. We've seen this in this person. And because of that, we're going to take what they have to say seriously. Right. So I guess that would be the last piece of advice is if you're going to encourage or, or, or ask for change, make sure that you are one being the change you want to see, uh, but you are committed and serving in your local church and not being the guy or gal that's on the sidelines, not doing anything. And then lobbing those critique yeah. grenades in expecting change to happen. Yeah. Right. So a lot more that can be said, man, mm-hmm. but be patient. Be patient with your leaders. Leaders, be patient with your congregation. Shepherd them well. Congregation, love your leaders. Support them. Serve your church. Commit to it. And uh, we all move closer and in greater conformity to the Word of God together. And I think that's the way it should be. That's the way it was. I think that was the way it was It, it was designed to be. So yep. those are my thoughts, man. Yeah. I'm done. And this is coming from someone who's gone through a lot of change mm-hmm. in churches. Mm-hmm. Not all good. Some good. Mm-hmm. Not all good. <laughs> yep. Uh, but I'm thankful for the faithful men and women that I have seen uh, be patient. Yeah. Not only with me, but also I, I've seen you know my fellow congregants be patient with their leaders. And it's it's great. It really is. I, I love it. I love it a lot. Yep. I think right, that's Jack. about it, sir. Big Eva has Big- son. <laughs> there it is. <laughs> yep. All right, my man. Why don't you get us out of here, buddy? Ladies and gentlemen, if you appreciate the patience that you have to endure while listening to Josh and I about certain <laughs> topics, maybe. Our listeners are very patient. Uh, I will I will say. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> 
You too can join us on different streams of the sociables, if you will. The Instagram. Right. Yeah. It goes well with uh, chocolate and marshmallow. The Facebook. The Zuck mm-hmm. site. Um, the metaverse, if you will. Maybe <laughs> the different, uh, what is it? Multiverse. Maybe it's going to be the multiverse as well. Multiverse. Too. I don't know. It's Marvel and Facebook, and they're going to mold together and make the multiverse. Um, or Elon Musk's failed acquisition of the Twitter, the tweeter, the tweaker, sure. the little blue bird site. You can follow us all on those sociable sites, if you will, at the tag at Reformatory Pod. And Josh, you can tell the lovely people how they can maybe uh, help us out in other ways if they would. That's right. There are multiple ways. And uh, one of the primary ways that we would ask is that if you're on Apple, you scroll down, take five seconds out of your day, give us a little five star, and maybe write a review. You don't have to. At least the five stars. We would appreciate that because it gets the uh, podcast out to more people and more people are encouraged to make the local church central in their life. We would really appreciate you doing that if you are on Apple. Just scroll down. Throw us, throw us a little five stars for five solas. Reformation mm. Month is coming up. I'm going to start that up again. That's right. You can head on over to reformatorypod.com. Get yourself some local church merch. It looks good. And uh, we're going to try to get some new designs out soon. We might be trimming the store down a little bit and then maybe uh, launching some new stuff. I'm working on some designs right now. Um, no timeline yet, but it's going to happen. We're going to try to get some new stuff out there because... Jack and I are both really busy, and I know mm. some podcasts out there seem to come out with new shirts every month. I mean, if they got time yeah. to do that, okay. We we, we don't. <laughs> we don't. We're too busy focusing on our local church. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Ouch! That was a low blow. That wasn't. That wasn't very nice. I repent of that right now. Uh, last but not least, you could become a Patreon supporter if you wanted. If you enjoy the content that you hear, if you appreciate it, you want to support Jack and I, you can head on over to Patreon. And for $5 a month, a $5 holla, mm. you could become a Patreon supporter and have your name hallowed. Hallowed, sir. Hallowed. Hallowed through the halls of this podcast. We thank you all for listening. And we'll catch you on the next episode of The Reformatory. <laughs>